This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. You're your host for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio. Ask the best with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're, we want to hear from you. Any questions you may have, we want to hear how your Thanksgiving was. Um, anyway, give me a call at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or better yet, join us here live on Google Hangouts. Very easy to do. You go on to PetLifeRadio.com. Click on under shows, ask the vet with Dr. Jeff, and you'll see a box as you scroll down, and there's a very long Google Hangouts link. You don't have to memorize it. You don't have to do anything except click on it. Very easy, and you can join us here live to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I do want to talk about one of the effects often of Thanksgiving and holidays coming up, and we're going to talk about it in the second half of the show, and that is a subject that is probably near and dear to me, but you guys don't like it. Your dogs hate it. Your cats hate it. That's vomiting. And the reason is that it's one of those symptoms that probably has more reasons for it happening than almost any other symptom that we see. And it is probably the most misunderstood. And from your perspective as pet parents, probably the one of the most frightening. And uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be. So we're going to talk about that. And a lot of mistakes that people make when it comes to vomiting and, and the fear and what they're doing about it, et cetera. So if you have any questions about your vomiting pet, why they vomit, what happens, and what you should do about it if it happens at home at some weird hour, and more importantly, what you shouldn't do about it. So anyway, we'll talk about that second half of the show. Once again, I'd like to uh, go through just some, some news items. I guess maybe because of Thanksgiving week, Dave may took a little time off, but I didn't see many, many new posts. But I did see a few that, that kind of struck my fancy. Number one, which is no surprise to any of us who are animal fanatics, and that is that pet ownership continues to climb. Now, 57% of all households in the United States, this is a survey that completed in 2016. The whole thing was just published and all the data was collected. So just so you know, this is it's, it's even more this past year in 2017. But 57% of all households had pets. 38% owned one or more dogs. Cats was a close second with about 25% of the households. But it was interesting. It's also what they call exotic or specialty pets. For example, I'll, I'll read the list in no particular order, just so you know. But what is are becoming continually popular, fish, ferrets, rabbits, hamsters. Uh, I'm one of those. I, I'm in that statistic. Guinea pigs, gerbils, turtles, snakes, lizards, poultry, livestock, and amphibians. So there were more than 13% of households in 2016, which is up 25% from 2011. And the average dog owner visits the veterinarian three times a year. In my opinion, that's probably not enough, but they do it anyway. And the cat is not not far behind at 2.4 times per year. So, and those are definitely up because the number for cats used to be like 1.8. So three times a year. But I mean, it's good from a statistics standpoint to know, you know, as we veterinarians, as we are determining costs and what we need to have and how many times we're going to see a patient, how often we should send reminders, just to know that three times a year is, is pretty much the standard, the average. And, um, you know, for, I actually thought it was going to be higher. Let's put it this way. There are more households in America that have pets than there are with children. So it always boggles my mind when it's so difficult to get some real media attention 
when it comes to our pets, when there are more pets in the U.S. than their kids, there, there are more households have pets than they have kids. And yet, you know, there's so much, uh, you know, kids this and kids that and commercials and stuff about kids. I mean, wh- the way I got actually in the media years and years and years ago was because there were no like public service announcements. There were public service announcements about cancer and self-examination and smoking. And you never saw a PSA, a public service announcement when it came to pets. And I went to the AVMA, which is very slow to move. And I, I told them that I'm out in California and, I, and I, I practice in Los Angeles and I have some clients that are, that are agents in media and they could help. If you, if you were interested, I'd be happy to help. I could help write things and whatever. And I was a, a, a new graduate at the time and, and I got this very condescending, sure, Sonny, but we got you covered. We're, we're taking care of it. Oh, great. I said, that's fantastic. If you, you know, need any connections, let me know. I waited and waited and waited and waited some more and zero zilch. And I finally said, you know something, guys, screw you. I am going to do it myself. And I wrote a video series, which ended up through the luck of one of these friends of mine who was an agent that created a CAA, Creative Artist Agency, and got me a little guest spot on a then syndicated talk show called Our Magazine. And I did the segment. I, I, they wanted to talk about the video series. And I well, didn't really want to talk about the video series because I felt it was kind of like an author. You know, when, when an author writes a book and they're on one of those morning shows, when do they get to come back on when they write their next book? Well, I wasn't planning on doing another video series. So I, I needed to come up with some way that maybe I can do this and have it sort of be a little more lasting so I can get some good information out there. So I said, well, who is the, uh, Gary Collins was the host and the co-host that day. Some of you might chuckle if you remember him. Some of you probably don't even, have never even heard of him. His name was Dom DeLuise. And Dom DeLuise was a comedian and he was huge. I mean, let for lack of a better term, we'll just say obese. But he used to joke about his weight all the time. I thought, oh my God, how perfect. If Dom DeLuise is funny and, and is no, has, has no shame about his size then likes to talk about it, why don't we talk about obesity? So I said, you know what? Why don't we do a segment on obesity? And uh, it would be, uh, you know, it would really be uh, cool to, to talk about that because it's the number one nutritional disease affecting pets. So I bring on my very spelt, beautiful Labrador. Gary Collins had a kind of, uh, I wouldn't say the, the lab was over obese, but he was certainly overweight. And we did a segment on obesity and with Dom DeLuise. It was really funny. At one point, I'm, I'm showing Gary how much food he should be feeding to his pet, his lab. And Dom DeLuise looks at the bowl and he goes, but that's all she gets to eat? And I go, yeah, that's what she's eating. He goes, I'm not eating with her. <laughs> so he, he, he just wanted to, you know, he couldn't stand not eating. But anyway, the segment went really well. And sure enough, the producer came over. This is exactly what I wanted and says, God, that was great. He says, would you like to do this again? I said, yeah. So sure enough, I became the resident vet on that show. And then that's kind of how my media career snowballed. And I started from one show to another show to another show after that. But the bottom line is, you know, there was not enough information. Now we're getting more and more. And, and look, even though I hate Dr. Why well, I say I hate. I am concerned about Dr. Google because a lot of the information you get out there, is, it's almost like those news pieces where they take something that's relatively simple and they sensationalize it and make it sound like, oh my God. And that's what happens in veterinary medicine. That's what happens in the news. So you, you read about a, a symptom, which is why I want to talk about vomiting at the end of the show. And you freak, you absolutely freak when you, they tell you all these things that it could be. And meanwhile, those are the, the esoteric, weird things. That's not the norm. And you don't have to freak. So uh, anyway, it's good that we are, you know, have more households. We are learning and seeing there are more shows on TV about pets and pet care, I think, which is great. So um, anyway. I want to see that number up. I don't like 57%. I want 100% of households having pets. So that's, that's our goal. We have to make sure that you know, people start really, really embracing their pets. 
Next up, winter time is coming. It's getting cold. The days are shorter. It's colder out there. And um, interestingly, dogs really kind of like something about the cold weather. And what it is, is that we know their noses are amazing. They have 40, count that, 40 times the nasal receptors that we have. We have about 5 million. They have 200 million. They can smell things. They can smell individual things of things that we can't even smell the whole thing. I mean, it's amazing. So um, during cold weather, with the cold and the dryness, it turns out that a lot of scents are in a sense that they are more accentuated. They're sharper for the dog. So they love walking around the snow and ice, sniffing things because they can sniff even more, which is kind of cool. But actually, it's cold. But you got to be careful. What I recommend anytime is you're going to take your dog, spend more time outdoors. And they seem to like to go outdoors. If they're small or very short-coated, let them wear a sweater. It's okay. It looks a little funny. that They can be laughed at, but it'll keep them warm. Uh, they do lose a lot of their heat to the outdoor temperature when it's really cold. And also look for some booty, something to protect their feet, not only from the cold, but also from the de-icing chemicals and things they put on the snow, on the ice, on the sidewalk, on the streets, etc. And um, those can be very, very irritating to their feet. So you want to protect the paws as well. And this is really cool. I read this and I love these kinds of stories. And for those of you that are active in your animal welfare groups, organizations, or rescue groups, here's a good one. And that is that in Columbus, Ohio, there is a group, it's a nonprofit called Gigi's Shelter for Dogs. And what they do is they search around in their areas, so obviously state of Ohio for sure, any shelters that are very active, that have a lot of foot traffic, but maybe sometimes not as many dogs as they could use, they will pull dogs from shelters in smaller towns that don't have the foot traffic, where dogs are being euthanized because there's not enough, they're just not getting adopted. So they are trying basically doing doggy transfer and they are feeding some of the busier shelters and pounds with dogs that are coming from areas where there's not enough traffic, not enough people adopting. So that's kind of cool. So they're sort of, they're evening out the, the playing field. So the busier shelters get more dogs and uh, the chances of being adopted are greater and they've been very, very successful. So that's when you think about how to sort of spread the wealth, if you will, and that's a great way to do it. So um, my hat's off to Gigi Shelter for Dogs. And if you, you know, if you know, or if you're in an area where there are a lot of people coming into shelters, sometimes the pickings are slim, which is great, but let's get some dogs from other shelters where there are just too many dogs and, and there's not enough people to coming through to look for them. And, or put a little pressure on your rescue groups because what rescue groups do is they comb the shelters. And if, especially if they're sort of a breed or a size-specific rescue group, they're looking for a particular dog, a particular cross of that dog. So they're going into the shelter. So if you know, I mean, there was one story that I just saw the other day, which, I mean, I told them my daughter is crazy about the dogs and she goes to the shelters. Um, a German shepherd, young, they found it roaming, has no ID, no nothing, no microchip with a little bandage on its leg, like a cast. And they're saying that they need someone to, they want to get this dog rescued, but either they're busy or they don't have the staff. They're not even going to check the leg. They don't even have a veterinarian associated with them who can at least take the bandage off. And bandages should not stay, should, they need to be checked weekly, weekly. I mean, you leave a bandage on a little too long, even two weeks, two, even uh, certainly more than two weeks, that might be a little too tight. You could take that bandage off. The blood supply has been cut off. You didn't even know it and you, have, you lose a leg. So it's very important that these bandages should be checked weekly. So um, those are the kinds of stories. So if you see stuff like that and you think you can help in some way, shape, or form, go for it. Help. Make a phone call. Call your vet. Call a shelter. Call a local rescue group and see if they can help. 
Anyway, don't go away. When we come back, we're going to talk about that fantastic subject. Oh, it's it's a cheerful subject of vomiting. So um, we'll be back after these short messages. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, and we're going to talk about vomiting. And um, you know, I do my own emergencies. I um, take my own calls all the time. As many of you know, I'm I'm starting a, a air vet, which is a telemedicine telehealth service for people where, well, it's actually for their pets, where we are working in conjunction with their vet hospitals just to provide veterinary care on those hours where your vets are either your hospital is closed or too busy to see you and um, you have concerns. And the truth is that when you run to those, well, let's get a basic fact, 80%, 80% of emergencies are not emergencies. So you don't know that. So if you call and your doctor can't see you or you're in the middle of the night, what do you do? There's a machine that's on and says, hey, thanks for calling. We're busy. We're closed. If you need help, go to so-and-so you're in a critical care facility, emergency hospital. You go over there and you spend a small fortune for that which wasn't even an emergency. So one of the most common calls I get is vomiting. So, you know, first of all, you have to, the vomiting is one thing. There's some questions you need to ask yourself when you have a pet that's vomiting. First of all, you you know your pets. What is the likelihood that they actually ate something that is bad or ate something that could get lodged in the intestine? Number one. Number two, look at your dog, all right? Look at your cat. Are they acting normally? Or can they not wait till they get their next meal? Are they happy, running, alert, playful, active, eating? What's coming up? Is it food? Is it phlegm? Is it bile? Is it grass? Is it pieces of leaves? Well, if it is, then you can tell a lot from what they're throwing up. And if it's food, how long after the eating do they vomit? You know, if they vomit what looks like a a full meal 10 hours after they ate, that's a problem. Then I'm thinking about some sort of obstruction that the stuff couldn't get through. If you see just yellow bile, or phlegm, and the dog is running around and can't wait for its next meal or toy or whatever to play, 
then that's probably just that gastric reflux. That's an esophageal or gastric juices that are flowing. And um, it's almost like our heartburn. How about a dog who throws up something like grass or leaves? Well, clearly he ate grass or leaves. And guess what? They make him vomit. And if you offered him some more grass or leaves, he'd probably eat some more. And if you offered him food, he would eat it. Then again, so interestingly, most of the vomiting stuff that we see, all right, you have to look at the pet. If the pet is super happy, alert, playful, still their own behavior, their own everything, they can't wait to go out again, they're wagging their tail, then you probably have nothing to worry about. If they are infirm, they're old, and they haven't been eating for days, and now they're vomiting, then that's a problem. That's probably a metabolic disease we have to worry about. If you have a dog who's continually vomiting, and spitting up and now dry heaving and it's a large breed dog and their belly is getting very large almost like tympanic like a drum very large and firm now i'm concerned about bloat that's an emergency that's a medical emergency you got to get them in right away and they also they're hunched over they're just they look sad they look like they're in pain they're going to a corner and they're continually trying to spit up nothing's coming out you know but first something does but then nothing that's a sick dog So one of the best things to evaluate is just look at your pet. And if they're, I had a dog come in the office and it was vomiting a couple of times a week and it's a French bulldog. So I, first of all, I know Frenchies. I have some, I see tons of Frenchies. And um, this dog, I couldn't get a good look at it because it was running around the room, jumping up and down, licking me in the face. I mean, this clearly not a sick dog and yet vomiting several times a week. So I asked some questions. What's coming up? Oh, just yellow bile. It's like, uh, when? Does it happen usually like um, like late night, early morning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's usually in the middle of the night. We wake up to it. Is he still eating? Oh, my God. He can't stop eating. So all these questions. And I, I knew my answer right away. I, didn't, I barely even had to put my hands on the dog. I didn't have to take an x-ray. I didn't have to take a blood test. I already knew the answer. That's why I, I'm concerned sometimes when these dogs are vomiting for whatever reason, and all you're thinking about is vomiting. You're not looking at the big picture. You're not starting to ask yourself, when was the last time my dog actually chewed up a plastic toy or my cat ate yarn or got into the garbage? If the answer is never, I've never seen him do that, then probably it's not that. So you have to know your own dog. Now, if you have a dog that you know eats everything all the time and is always getting into the garbage, now we have something called dietary indiscretion. He may have eaten something that is either lodged or more likely just something that just irritated his stomach. Now, let's talk about irritated stomach. And let's talk about one of the things that I often hear when I get a call is the dog is is acting okay, maybe a little bit sluggish, but he's continued. He's vomited like five times in the last couple of hours. And I'm thinking, hmm, okay, is he drinking? Oh my God, he's he's going to the water bowl. And I want to say, don't let him drink water. Vomiting breeds vomiting. Once that stomach goes through this vomiting episode, it's almost like taking a rag, a wet rag, and wringing it out. The inside of that stomach is so irritated now that anything, anything that goes back in that stomach, even something as benign as water, can induce more vomiting. Anything that stretches that stomach wall is going to induce more vomiting. So now that second, third, and fourth vomiting may may be totally related only to the first one and nothing new, and it's, it's because the stomach is so irritated. So when I often ask a client or a client comes in with the concern of vomiting, I will offer them, well, first of all, I ask if they're drinking water. If, if they do and they want to drink water, that's actually a good sign. Now, how about if I offer them something really tasty to eat? And I mean really tasty. I often give them a little baby food right out of the jar. If they like attack my finger, that's a really good sign. Now, am I going to let them eat it? No way. But the fact that they want to eat 
despite the vomiting is really a good sign because dogs that have more serious reasons for vomiting will turn their nose to filet mignon. They will not eat anything. That's how lousy they feel. And they're hunched over. Their body position indicates that they just really feel like crap. And those are the ones that probably need some more medical attention. So what I recommend, if you have a dog that's vomiting, evaluate your dog. Just sit back and watch him. How does he look? Is he running? Is he feeling just, is he seem like this behaviorally he's normal? That's a good sign. Secondly, don't give him water. Take some ice cubes, depending on the size of the dog. It might be one ice cube for a small dog, three, four, five ice cubes for a big dog. Stick him the ice cubes in the water bowl. Why? Because unless you have a dog who loves to munch on ice cubes, which most don't, but some do, but for typically let the ice, they can't drink a lot of water at once when the water is in the form of an ice cube. So what they do is as the ice melts and they're thirsty, they can go lap a little bit of water up at a time from the melted ice, but they can't get a whole large volume at once. Now, of course, one of the side effects that we worry about with extensive vomiting is dehydration. So they do need the fluids. And if we have to deliver fluids without getting through the gastrointestinal tract, we have to give it to them either sub-Q, if they're small, we can do that, or you know, medium-large dogs really need an IV. Giving fluids, what we call subcutaneously to a big dog, probably is not going to be that effective. So, we, so the bigger the dog, the more likely they're going to need an IV. And then, of course, medication to stop the vomiting. And depending on what's coming up, how soon after eating, what their general demeanor is like, et cetera, will dictate. Are we going to need x-rays to take a look and see if the history indicates a dog that, oh my God, yeah, doc, he eats everything. I think I told you a couple of weeks ago, I took a rock, a, a rock out of a dog. And if you want to go into my, my Instagram at, um, at Dr. Jeff Werber, you will see, I did a little show with this dog who actually, his name is Louie, who actually ate a rock. And I'm not talking a small rock. How he even got it into his throat, into his stomach, I couldn't even believe it. So, so yes, some dogs eat crazy things. We call that pica, eating of inanimate objects. And uh, this dog did it. So with a history of a dog who eats things like that, then yes, of course, I'm going to take an x-ray. Then, of course, if they are dogs that are really just ADR, they just ain't doing right. They're, they're sluggish. They're slow. They just look sad. And they have very tender belly. Then, of course, we're going to do blood work. I'm looking the organ failures induce cause vomiting. Liver disease causes vomiting. Pancreatitis is a huge one. That causes severe vomiting. Kidney disease, high BUN, blood, urea, nitrogen, that causes vomiting. So sometimes we have metabolic diseases that lead to vomiting, not necessarily just gastrointestinal, but even some of the extra abdominal organs. are When, when they are inflamed, when they're irritated, when they um, are affected, when they are infected, they can also cause vomiting. So they're it's one of those symptoms that there are so many potential reasons. Um, some need extensive workup, extensive treatment, and some simple as keep them away from it, feed them a late night snack. After the episode, don't let them drink a ton of water. And these are the things that will kind of guide you so you don't panic and kind of, as I said, really evaluate the big picture. Anyway, that's uh, about all we have time for today. We will be here. If you have any subject, medical subject, something your pet is going through, whether, you know, a disease like uh, just had a diabetes case come in this week, that you just want more information, um, maybe some help how to treat it, um, maybe some guidance of even how to, what, what tests to use to diagnose because you're getting bombarded by your veterinarian who's just saying, oh, my God, we need just $2,000 worth of tests. Oh, oh, my God, he vomited. We have to do an MRI. No. So you got to, if you just pick my brain, what's left of it anyway. And, um, and uh, we'll help you get through some, uh, some of these things that, that oftentimes are more simple than they seem. 
Have a great week. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And we will be here next Sunday. Same time, same channel here on Pet Life Radio. And uh, until then, have a great week, everybody. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.